What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. We've got my friend Mimi Shoneman, our host in the Red Hot Real Estate Show and licensed realtor from Remax Results. Always happy to see her. Uh, so remind you, you can get this episode and previous episodes by going to our website, mytalk1071.com, using that keyword Red Hot. Good to see you, Mimi. Good morning. So uh, we also are always so happy that we have our nice sunshiny face, and Mr. Phil Olson in the room as well from Cross Country Mortgage. How's it going over there, Phil? Good morning. I am glad to see you. Let's get your NMLS number out, please. NMLS 238-103, company NMLS 3029, Cross Country Mortgage. Now, Mimi, I talked to you last week. I haven't talked to Phil, so I'm excited to hear both of you tell me about what's going on out there in the market. Like you were getting ready to show somebody a house when you and I were on the phone. We had to jump off the line. <laughs> well, let's let's talk a little bit about why we were on the phone. Oh, okay. So, because Phil, you haven't heard this story. So, um, uh, for everybody else out there, I bought my duplex back in 2020. And when you buy a house, you're out there, and then you can get a lot of letters normally saying, "Hey, I'd love to buy your house from you." I get these unsolicited letters and text messages and phone calls all the time asking me if I want to sell my house, and the answer yep. is no. So, I got Phil the most invasive letter that I have ever received. And it was supposed to be like, I think, uh, proof that it wasn't like, like, uh, bulk mail. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what they were getting at with this letter. But instead, all it did was just creep me out. And I was really irritated to the point that I like took a copy of it and sent it to me. Because <laughs> I thought it was creepy. Because this potential um, investor that wanted to buy my house sent me a letter that was very personalized and it's like my name is so-and-so my wife and i are real estate investors in the twin cities and we recently purchased a duplex in you know, near yours we would love to purchase additional properties i wanted to let you know a little bit you know i know this is a little out of the blue but we wanted to see if you'd be interested in selling and it has my address and on top of that it had a photo of my house at the top of the page was it the mls photo or did they come out and take the picture? You know what? It looks like they came out and took the picture, but maybe it was an animalescent photo. But it, it, you know, but no, it actually it wasn't because this is a recent-ish picture. Because I can tell, so it could be like a Google Maps type photo. But okay. I know it's a recent picture because this is like the last, the way my yard looked just before the snow flew. This, mm. this winter and so it felt very invasive like somebody's like drove past my house took a picture then sent me a letter saying hey you should sell your house to me so was i that the, was that the picture of you laying out in your your front yard in the bikini no because i do line? that in the back i do that no. in the back that's why i put up the fence at, no, least it, at least it didn't say at the bottom we're outside by the way <laughs> in our car come out and talk to us we'd love to uh buy your that's house that's really what it felt like like i've been watching you <laughs> we'd love to buy your house to because it's like we're ready to buy today you know all the mm -hmm. stuff and so i just really didn't appreciate it so i was gonna send him an email and then mimi says no investors are really aggressive don't do that i looked the person up and knew what they looked like i like did a little like okay let me look mm -hmm. these people up they did buy a house uh in my neighborhood so mm -hmm. i saw them across the street working on the house and so i was like hey are you so-and-so 
And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, by the way, I got your letter. Um, no, I'm not interested in selling my house. And by the way, I, fall, I thought it came across as very creepy mm-hmm. that you had this. And I'm like, you were probably getting at something else. But the way I felt, I felt like somebody's been watching my house. And maybe it's different because he's a man. I'm like, maybe you were just less thinking that this seems creepy, mm-hmm. but... Maybe use a different tactic, you know. Gotcha. So you and I talked a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they had printed a, a photo of yes. your house was the part that really bothered you the most. Correct. You know, it was because it felt very uh, invasive. Mm-hmm. It also felt very, like, not completely threatening, but it did feel very intimidating. To know that somebody's like looking at my house that way. Like I'm watching you. I'm watching mm-hmm. you. And like, you know, like if I say no to your offer, are you going to keep watching my house? Are you going to drive by all the time? So I didn't like it at all. So I'm I'm going to go say something. Uh, kind of thing, I think it's awesome that you did, mm-hmm. that you were able to actually have the conversation. And I was very with- kind about it. I didn't go and like go over there and, and jump up and down and, and swear at him or anything. I just I just want to let you know that mm-hmm. here's. How I felt about your particular tactic. And, you know, he, the response that he said, he's like, oh, well, no, it, that's not what we meant. And it's like, he goes, but I'd rather have you be honest with us. I'm like, yep, totally honest. No. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of thing. And maybe don't send the letter like this next time. It's creepy. <laughs> well, there, there we go. Yes. So this is, this is a solution that people are coming to the conclusion is a smart way to go about finding inventory because we talk about how tight it is and i am and we've had people call in before and reminding you you can also be part of the show if you have a story that you'd like to share you can call us at 651-641-1071 again that's 651-641-1071 but we had someone else call and go how do i get myself off these lists because they are see you know people really are looking for more properties so i get you know i feel like i get three calls a week minimum it's really difficult considering that when you buy a house, it becomes uh, county data, right. which is public information. And that's really mm-hmm. that's really where they're getting that information. They're getting it off of NMLS. Mm-hmm. All right. MLS. Mm-hmm. They're getting it off of county data. And of course, then there's companies out there that monetize this mm-hmm. and they actually sell lists. And yeah, I do feel it's evasive and I feel it's a it's an invasion of privacy. But I guess until they change those specific laws, there's really nothing we as consumers can do about it. Because I expect in general bulk mail. Um, But the way that the taxes have changed with these letters have recently gotten a lot more invasive and aggressive. And like it's really irritating when I get calls from like I'm like, no, I don't want another call. About you. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have clients that will call me and they go, well, we just got a letter from Cross Country Mortgage and here's what it's saying. And I go, that doesn't sound like something that came from our company. Mm-hmm. I go, I need you to go to the very, very bottom of the letter or go to the back page of the right. bottom of the letter and look at the very bottom to see if there's really small verbiage in there. Yes. And frequently they'll they'll find this and then they'll read it and they'll go. Phil, you're right. This did not come from cross country. It says it came from this mortgage lender or this service or whatever. Exactly. But yet, when you take a look at your mail, the outside looks like it came from cross country with our logo Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And it didn't come from our company. Right. I get those as well. And I was glad that when I closed on my house, you told me about it. And so to Mimi, you'll get these letters that look like this and like this and like that. And it'll make it sound like you need to do something with your mortgage, but you don't. You uh, know, one, and I'm like, okay. One shredder. of the big frauds right now that's out there is 
companies will send you a letter that says that uh, we can get you a copy of your deed. Yes. Okay. And you need to pay us $75 to get this. Folks, you can get a copy of your deed at your closing. Most title companies will say, here's a copy of your of the recorded deed that we're going to do. You don't need to pay for that. Right. Exactly. Well, in the show, this is a great segue to talk about. We're going to we're going to touch on wire fraud Mm -hmm. and how that's a big, big issue right now. And um, before we go into the break, Phil, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be talking about in the show. Right. Well, I you know, I get a lot of questions on what is an appraisal? Why is it used? But there's so many different types of appraisals and we've really never talked about that. So we're going to kind of talk about all the different types of versions of appraisals. And then I've uh, been doing some research, been been hearing some stuff out on in the marketplace uh, about banks and credit unions are tightening their, their, their lending guidelines. Exactly. And we're going to talk a little bit about arbitration. Okay. Um, because uh, whenever you are in uh, a contract in Minnesota and also Wisconsin, you are going to be asked whether you do agree to arbitration or whether you don't. And if you don't know what arbitration is or what the ramifications of arbitration is, and you have got to make a rash decision because perhaps you've, you didn't have a consultation as you should have, uh, then you're going to have to make a, a quick decision. And, and there's a lot to know because uh, it, it can really, really be important if there is an incident after closing. Um, so we in, we encourage everyone to call with your questions, call with your stories. If mm-hmm. you've got stories about, you know, things that have happened to you, we want we welcome that because it adds a lot of lot of interest to the show. And if you've got a question, we're almost certain that someone else has the question. Absolutely. And that number again is six, five, one, six, four, one, one, oh, seven, one. We'll be right back with the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on my talk. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Also available as a podcast. You can get this episode and previous episodes if you go to our website, mytalk1071.com. Keyword Red Hot. Always happy to be hanging out with my friend Mimi Shoneman and also my friend Phil Olson. Reminding you can be part of the show at 651-641-1071. Okay, I just wanted to get into a little bit before we head into our, our main topic with Mr. Phil here. Mm-hmm. Um, for our friends at the Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors for the week ending April 1st of this year, um, this is what they've published. The annual rate of U.S. rent growth has continued to slow annually okay. with single-family rents increasing 5.7%. As of the last measure, the lowest level since the spring of 2021. Mm-hmm. And that's according to CoreLogic's most recent single family rent index. And this marks the ninth consecutive month that rent growth has slowed, mm-hmm. with Orlando, Florida, Charlotte, North Carolina, and New York having the highest annual single family rent price increases. And Phoenix posted the lowest annual rent price gain for the period. Okay. Um, now, for the stats for here in Minnesota, our median sales price is 342000 Our days on market is 61 And the percent of the original list price that our sellers are receiving has gone down again to 97.2. Month supply of homes for sale, that went up uh, by just a smidge to 1.3 months. Again, normal market is between five and six. 
Um, what I find really interesting is that our sellers are getting 97.2% of the original list price. Um, and that's not even taking into consideration price, price decreases, uh, during the period. So that's a, that's significantly lower than when we were at our peak when it was probably a hundred, 101 or more percent of the list price. Can I ask a question? Cause we've discussed over the last few episodes that this is still in air quotes, a seller's market. Is it that we were pricing more aggressively because it was such a seller's market for a while? And, and now we just have to maybe just adjust our, cause it's not a lot under what your, your list price is. Okay. So you think maybe we just kind of got used to going, well, you shoot a little higher. I do think there was a little bit of that going on because mm-hmm. honestly, you know, sometimes you just didn't even know how, how high to price because right. there were, you know, there things were going so quickly. Yes. And it really, you know, keep in mind too that this is a 13 county metro average. Um, so certain neighborhoods, everything is local in real estate. So you need to look at your, your neighborhood. And when you're in the cities that, you know, your neighborhood could be a street over and that would change. So it's very, very hyper local what's going on in your neighborhood. But as an, an average, those are the stats. So Phil, um, let's hear some information about the mortgage world. Well, mortgage world, I mean, uh, real quick, uh, this last week, CPI dropped, core price index, inflation dropped 0.01%. But uh, I, I found an interesting stat, egg prices, which have soared, okay, over the last uh, year, uh, tumbled a total of 10.9% in the last month. But are still up 36% for the year. Well, I think we're starting to rebound and have some more chickens after we had to do all that yeah. stuff with those another, flu, unfortunately. Another one that I found real interesting is shelter costs are still very high. So what is shelter costs? That's that's home and rent, okay? And uh, the shelter costs are still sitting at 8.2% above where they should be. And I've literally this last week, I had somebody call me for a mortgage, they go. I can't. I can't rent anymore. My rent is going up to thirty two hundred dollars a month, and that's that's here in the metro. Okay. Can you say what city that was? I can tell you it was Minneapolis. Okay. And it was a three bedroom, two bath, two car garage house. Thirty two hundred dollars went from twenty six hundred to thirty two. Wow, y'all! You can buy for that. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you might not be able to get exactly where you want to be, but like like we talk about. Get someplace that that is acceptable, correct, and then stabilize, and yes. then you can always move later. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. so many people they think that they're going to buy this house and they're going to live in it for ten years, right? In real reality, with the way the market is right now, buy a house, live in it for three to five years, make it your own, build some equity. And then you take that equity and you roll it into that next property. Right. We always appreciate you being part of the show. You can call us at 651-641-1071. Just like our friend Nancy. Nancy, thank you very much for your patience. What's your question for our experts here at the Red Hot Real Estate Show? Hi. I appreciate you guys guys being on there. Uh, I have uh, a refinance. And then after I got uh, a letter for uh, what they said, which would cover the cost of the mortgage if I, uh, something happened, you know, mm-hmm. I lose my job or something. Um, and then when I got the paperwork back, it was a life insurance policy. Um, and it, it's barely 
covers the cost of uh, the house. Um, so I, I still have, like, I have a grace period of 20 days to read, you know, look at the paperwork and then send it, um, and give them a final answer. Should I keep this or the house was, um, the house was $200,000. The life insurance policy was only uh, 50,000. I mean, I, I, I get this question every now and then, and it has to do with, should I, I take insurance for my mortgage mm-hmm. to insure the mortgage in case of death, injury, job loss, that type of thing. And here's what I'll tell you. I think you got to be very careful. You need to read the terms of those policies because I've been told by, by other people I've talked to, they're really not worth the paper that you're paying for. Right. So I'm, I'm not a big so, advocate of, of insuring a mortgage. So, Nancy, is this something that was part of the package where you're refinancing? Yeah, they, they had, it had the, um, the company name on the paperwork and, you know, for that I did the refinance with. But did um, you receive it uh, immediately from the company while you were doing the refinance or you got it in the mail later? Yeah, I got in the mail later. Yeah. Okay. And so then, here's yeah, what I think, Nancy. Was, uh, mortgage insurance, which is separate than the PMI I'm paying, you know. Okay. So, Nancy, uh, here's what I think, just off the, off the top of my head. I would call your regular insurance agent and run this past them because if you're interested in refinancing or, and you're interested in insurance, go to your regular <laughs> insurance person and let them quote you. So you have a comparison. Do you have a regular insurance person that you talk to all the time? Um, no. Well, just for, you know, the health, my house and car, but I don't know. if Why? Yeah, That would be the people who yeah. call. You can ask them. And then if you don't, we'll make sure that our producer gets your information and we'll follow up with you as well. Because you just need to run it past somebody else that looks at these letters all the time. Because it's probably an additional thing that you may not need. Yeah, well, when I... Uh, when they came to me, it was mortgage insurance, but when I got the paperwork, it was life insurance, so I was confused. Right. So we'll get your information. We'll follow up with you. Thanks for sharing that, because this probably happens to a lot of people, Nancy. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks. You. We appreciate you. Yeah. You know, it's hard to know without, you know, looking at it, what what it could be. But it sounds very similar to what we were talking about earlier in the right show. Right in the where, very beginning. Yeah. Exactly. That, you know, I get letters all the time and then then little, like you said, little tiny print that'll say, well, we're not really, you know, have anything to do with that. Mm-mm. But they mention it because they know who I got my mortgage through. So they use right? it as they use it as a teaser to get you to read the document. Exactly. But, but as far as I'm concerned, it's false right. advertisement. Agreed. Okay. Well, you don't know, mm-hmm. and it's always better to second guess, and or check. always better to check a second source than mm-hmm. to just sit around and guess. So we appreciate Nancy and her call because, like you said, Ms. Shannon, it, it lots of, it could be happening to lots of folks. Absolutely. Okay. So Phil, one more stat, and then we're going to head into the break. Oh. Wells Fargo and Associated Bank leave the wholesale and correspondent mortgage lending. Oh, snap. Ooh, okay. What does that mean? Yeah. That means that they're, they're, st- they're still going to do mortgages, but they have decided to reduce their mortgage origination extremely. Okay. And they're only going to service, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, they're only going to service their best clients. Okay. Okay. 
Well, that's a lot. So Mm -hmm. I think when we come back from the break, well, I have some additional questions about that for you. And uh, we can continue talking about the update. Also, we can continue to take your calls. You can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 107.1. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Also available as a podcast. You can get this episode and previous episodes. Just go to our website, mytalk1071.com, keyword Red Hot. Okay, so we want to just let everybody know that there are multiple ways that you can get a hold of us. Absolutely. Um, you can reach me by text or smoke signal um, here <laughs> Not at the smoke station. signal. It's too windy. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. 651-578-2218, text or call and our email Mimi at mnredhotrealestate.com you can also use keyword red mm-hmm. hot here at my talk and Phil the best number to get a hold of you well my cell phone is super glued to my hip guys <laughs> right. all right the best number to reach me is 651 651- Two three eight six seven four eight, and I take I, I take calls listen, Monday through he's Sunday. On it, I'm paying five dollars for anybody that calls in between one and three a.m. Because he <laughs> call, I, I called him one time. It's a joke. I was just trying to leave him a message. Yeah, because it okay. wasn't pressing, and he called me back and hadn't even listened to the message. I was like, it was. I was trying to give yeah. you a minute. It was yeah, a, right. I need to know I eventually. Know right, now. right. And so I just want to warn people that I'm he all, might call you right I'm back. I'm all about service, guys. Absolutely. I will give better service than any bank credit union You know where I give a good service? There. On the beach. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, <laughs> a my, you want a Mai Tai or yeah. do you want a Manhattan? Okay. All right. Um, real estate show, real estate mortgage, folks. That's right. right. That's what we're about. All right, Phil, repeat the last item that you left uh, for the last segment. Uh, Wells Fargo and Associated Bank have left the wholesale and correspondent mortgage lending. Okay, so let's define what wholesale means. Wholesale basically means is is that you could have a thousand different banks or lenders out there that that can originate a loan through Associated Bank using Associated Bank's lending guidelines and 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 close a loan and it would end up going to Associated Bank. So okay. in other words, they've gotten out of that out of that specific segment of the market. In okay. other words, uh, and both of these lenders, and there's a lot of lenders out there, be it the big banks, they're getting out of the mortgage business. Mm-hmm. Not totally, but they're they're reducing their um, volume right. because because right now they feel that there's a recession coming. And because they have to securitize these loans and they have to back them up with at least a minimum of 10% of their uh, assets and deposits. Deposits. And can I also say, this isn't about both of them, but one of the names you just said, I was just reading this article about Wells Fargo. They had to reduce a bunch of stuff because of some other things. Oh, they too. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot lot of things. things that are in play that they're like, you know, I think that sometimes we're just clamping down on. Which is the other reason why we try to make sure that you have options out there. So it's okay if you, we've mentioned this before. If you went to one place and they told you, hey, we can't do it, we can't help you, that doesn't mean that you are unhelpable or you're, you know, it's too difficult. It just means maybe they don't have the product that you need. And so you can take that second opinion. All right, Phil. So let's define what correspondent mortgage space means. Uh, correspondent lender would be, let's say uh, we underwrite. It is a Wells Fargo 30 year fixed rate mortgage. And our underwriters underwrite it, be it cross country, underwrites it under Wells Fargo's guidelines 
and that when that loan closes, it ends up going into the Wells Fargo's portfolio. That would be considered a correspondent lender. Okay. And we're we're correspondent lenders with I think about 50 plus institutions. Well, let me ask you this question. Um because you know, when let's just say that and and I have I've had a mortgage with Wells Fargo before. Um when you walk into a branch, mm-hmm. um and what you've just said is they're no longer going to be doing that. Do we think that there will be anybody in the branches? And this is just purely speculation that can help with those things. I I think what's going to happen is we're going to see less branch loan officers. You'll probably see a branch loan officer that will maybe work multiple locations for say Wells Fargo or associated bank. But basically what, what, the banks are saying is we are going to service our clients only. And what's a client? That means you need to deposit money with them. Checking, savings, credit cards. Maybe you've got your IRA with them. All right. What they're really saying is we're only going to service our best clients because there's statistics that are coming out right now that the banks are tightening they're lending by 20 to 50%. And why are they doing this? Well, one, they feel that there's an economic sluggishness slowdown coming. Uh, they're reducing their footprints in credit cards, car loans, commercial loans, residential mortgages. That probably has a little bit to do with what we've been hearing about the banking collapses here in the United States. And they're trying to shore up their portfolios. Um, they're going to get away from poorer loan quality. Let's uh, talk about that. All right. Poor, poor loan, loan quality. quality. What does that mean? All right. You could have an FHA loan with a 640 credit score. They have perfect credit. The consumer doesn't have a lot of assets, uh, but they've got good job history and they haven't made, they haven't missed any payments. All right. In the last three years, that would probably be a loan that, the bank is going to go, no, that's not a good fit for us. And why? Let's let's unpack it and see why would a bank think that way, perhaps? Because they always think about what happens if that mortgage goes into default. Okay. And if you think about it, you've got an 800 credit score borrower, 30 years credit reporting history, has never had a delinquency, and they make $1.5 million a year compared to... It's mom and dad, uh, one's a plumber, makes 60, wife works at the school, mm-hmm. in the in the lunchroom, makes 40, and oh, by the way, they had a, a major catastrophic uh, medical issue four years ago, and maybe they have some bumps on their credit. Well, guess what? The banker one is going to, the banker is going to look at one or the other, and they're going to go, oh, we want this one. And no, you want to know something? There's too much risk there. But yet, right now, if you take a look at all the delinquencies throughout the whole United States, we're sitting on less than a half a percent, a half a percent. And it's less than that as far as foreclosures. Mm -hmm. We're talking maybe 90, 120 day delinquency is at about a half a percent. And you might go, well, why is that? Because everybody's sitting on so much equity on their homes. But what's happening is the banks are contracting. All right. And that's actually a good thing for me. Okay. Because I work 
with 50 plus lending institutions. Plus, I work directly with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae. They're the three biggest, and they hold they hold 97% of all mortgages. Okay, so government agencies, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae. Yeah. Define what that is for people who may ne- never have heard of that. Think of it uh, as a giant warehouse. Okay. And think of it as, at one point in time, the Target Corporation was probably one of the biggest retailers mm-hmm. in the United States. Yes. Now, because Target was so big, they could monetize their their costs. Okay. In other words, they could go to ABC vendor and go, no, we won't pay 50 cents for that item. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to order millions from you, we're going to pay 35 cents. Okay. So think of these giant entities, be it Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae. They don't actually hold the mortgage. Okay. They securitize it. Mm-hmm. They guarantee it. Okay. okay. So in other words, they have insurance on them. Mm-hmm. And because they have insurance on them, the servicer is protected. Okay. Whereas if a bank portfolios alone there's no protection to the bank okay they're on the hook for the total loss okay so that property goes into default they lose on a five hundred thousand dollar home and let's say they have to you know sell it for three hundred thousand they're taking a two hundred thousand dollar loss okay whereas with fannie mae freddie mac or Ginny mae let's say the servicer will use wells fargo again mm-hmm all right, they're only servicing it. They get a servicing payment, premium, every month that they service this. That's how they get paid. Right. But if it goes into default, mm-hmm. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae, they come in behind with an insurance policy and say, okay, if you're going to take a loss, you're only going to take this much of a loss. Okay. Okay. So we said a lot. Ginny Mae is where you, Cross Country Mortgage, Phil Olson, goes to get Government the money loans. Because you're direct lender. We're a direct lender. Okay. Yeah. And 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 a direct lender, just so you know, that is a very prestigious position. All right. Many, many, many lenders are not direct lenders to the federal government. Doesn't mean they can't do a federal government loan, but what it will mean is they're more than likely going to have a ton of overlays. And there's going to be specific products that they don't do. Yeah. And so what's in it for them, that's what everybody wants to know, is why does that matter to the consumer, that you're a direct lender, that that's prestigious? Why does that matter to me and Miss Shannon when we go to get our mortgage? Yep. Because your underwriting guidelines are clear, concise, and to the point. And it's cheaper. And it's cheaper. Okay. So what it means is, one, we get better rates from the federal government because we're so big. All right. But as an originator or me as a loan officer, I can take a look at a client's documentation and I can go, oh, this is a little bit of an issue. This is a red flag. Let me look at the guideline. Guideline says you're good. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Um, You may or may not know this. Uh, Our credit unions, people love them. They're members. They're they buy in for the shares and all yep. of that. Are they direct lenders to these government? Do you know? Only the super big ones. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Now, um, you being a correspondent lender with all this news about these different uh, institutions that are no longer going to do wholesale in correspondent mortgages, 
Will you be able to use their products or are they going away? For instance, I know for a fact that you could write with Wells Fargo as a correspondent lender, even mm-hmm. though you're with Cross Country, if that makes sense to everybody. Can't use Wells Fargo. We can't use Wells Fargo and we can't use Associated Bank. But understand, if I were to use Wells Fargo, I mean, they might have three programs that I might be interested in, but I can go to the plethora of lenders that I have, all right, that supersedes Wells Fargo because Wells Fargo has always been a tight a tight lender. Okay. okay. So where where else would you possibly go? I probably might go direct. Okay. I could go broker. Okay. I could go UWM. I can go Citibank. I can go Chase. Mm-hmm. I can go JP Morgan. I can go, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And understand, I've got programs under programs under programs. Okay. Well, this is a whole lot to know, right. especially if you're not familiar with these terms. And so if you've got any questions, please do call us. Absolutely. And that number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the red. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Also available as a podcast. Grab it at MyTalk1071.com. Keyword Red Hot. We always appreciate you calling and being part of the show. That number again is 651 641 1071. We're going to go to the phones right now, in fact. So, Phil and Mimi, get ready. Janet, thank you very much for your patience. Do you have a question for our experts today? Yes, I do. Um, I have owned homes in the past but been a joint uh lender or joint mortgagee i'm wondering if i want to purchase a home on my own would i qualify as a first time uh home mortgagee person that's Possible. a great question yes. mm-hmm. i would tell you uh, if you haven't owned a home in the last three years you are considered a first-time home buyer. Oh, okay. Well, actually, I technically still own a home, so okay. I just want to see if I can. If you own a home, a are you on a mortgage or are you on the note? Uh, both. Okay, so then I'm on. I'm on the mortgage. Then, if so you were a, if you went on somebody else's, if you help somebody as a joint applicant to purchase a home or you're living in that home, then you would not be considered a first-time home buyer. Okay, so I have to wait three years? No, no. no. You could still buy a house, and, and as, as a buyer, you could buy with as little as 5% down. And, or zero. Or zero. Depends, depends on the where program, you're where you're looking and everything like that. But the kind of standard rule of thumb is 5%. But if you've got a bunch of equity in your current home, you could literally take the equity out of that home to help you buy the house that you want to live in. Oh, okay. Um, is there, you say 5%, but then am I paying that uh, PMI? Yes, unfortunately, if you put less than 20% down, you're going to pay some form or derivative of PMI. All right, and there's what's called lender paid PMI where the rate is higher. You're still paying, you're still paying PMI. All right, but uh, if you put 20% down, then there is no PMI. But guess what? If you've got great credit, uh, it's a great loan. PMI is cheap if you're putting down 10% or more. Okay. It's cheap. And does that, does that go away 
I yes. know at some point in time it did, but then I think they changed it. Uh, it all depends. If it's a conventional oh. loan, your PMI will drop off once you've achieved a 22% equity position in your property. Oh. But okay. if you're using a government loan, which would be a USDA loan or an FHA loan, both of those products, the PMI will stay for the life of the loan. But once you refinance out of the uh, government loan, you can get rid of the PMI. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Right. Um, I'm glad that you didn't think, you know, I, I like the whole first time home buyer thing, but there are a lot of other options that are out there as well that'll still take care of you. Okay. All right. Well, I will be um, contacting. I would <laughs> love to talk with you, Janet. Just leave, out. leave so your I information with that. our producer and we'll get back in touch with, touch with you. Thanks, Janet. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. That was a great question. Yes. Great question. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times we forget that, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to understand it by the, the definition of it. Of first time home buyer, the, right. The one thing I want people to know is don't be afraid of PMI. Okay. Really. PMI, I mean, let's just think of it this way. If you don't have 20% to put down on a house, okay, which will take normally about seven years, five to seven years to save up. Right. But what happens if housing prices go up 5% annually, five consecutive years in a row? That's 25%. What's 25% of 300,000? Well, that's 75,000. That means that that house will be $75,000 more because you decided not to take out a mortgage with PMI. Mm -hmm. And there's multiple ways of getting around PMI. Right. I'll give you an example. I could do an 80% first. I could do a 15% second. Now there's no PMI. You're putting 5% down. Okay. Well, why wouldn't everybody do that? You want to know something? The PMI is cheaper than taking out a second mortgage. Right. Is it also cheaper, the PMI, than what interest you might be making on your savings right now? Oh, well, your your PMI, I mean, for great credit right now, I just priced one out this morning uh, for a client. Uh, they're buying a $320,000 home. They put 10% down. Their PMI payment was $53 a month. Yeah, I don't even know what mine is. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. like, yeah. Like, but, I mean, that's that's cheap, all mm-hmm. right? Okay. And it'll go away. And guess what? If you pay down your principal faster, it'll make the PMI go away as well. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, Phil, last week, what was your very best 30-year fixed rate? Uh, it was 5.875%. That's and down a lot from what we were looking at. We were close to seven, We were at seven, seven and right? a quarter at one point in time. So what were the, some of the terms that went along with getting that kind of rate? That was 40% down. It was an 800 plus credit score. Mm. All right. So yeah, it was it, it, a golden golden egg right. client. Okay. okay. So let's just say that and, that. and I think she paid one and a half points. Okay. For the rate. Okay. So let's just say that somebody came in, they want, they're qualified to do conventional with 5% down. That's what they can do. And their credit, credit score was 680. What would that look like for rate? If their income is less than 94,300, I'm going to use a special product. I'm going to use Home Ready or Home Possible. Okay. That'll get the consumer a lower interest rate by more than almost a half a percent. And it, reduces the mortgage insurance from 0.41 down to 0.25, which basically cuts the PMI almost in half. 
Now, I priced out one of those here this last week. We're, we're closing. The client's interest rate was 6.125%. Okay. With 5% down. And no points. There was one point. One point. Okay. One so point. a point again is? Is 1% of your loan amount, and that client's loan amount, I think, was 245000 So they paid $2,450. Out get of pocket. Out of pocket. And guess what? The break-even analysis on that one point was 27 months. Okay. All right, which means as long as she stayed in the home for longer than 27 months. And here's the other thing people don't realize about points. They go, I don't want to pay a point. Guess what? You can write that point off okay. dollar for dollar when you file your taxes. There's really? so many things yeah, people, you don't want to pay for when it's like you're getting in your house. Like when we start throwing those numbers around, I always find that a fascinating you know, conversation. Here's what Here's what I think... Stubborn doesn't belong in real estate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just talk about it. We all have our preconceived notions about what we want to do, what we hope to do, what we wish we could do, all of those kinds of things. But if you are pigeonholing yourself because of the things that you have thought you're not opening your mind up to the possibilities of what it could be. Right. Um, to your point, Phil, 27 months, as long as you stay in a place, that is that break-even is amazing. It is very amazing, considering it was saving her $170 a month in payment. 170 a month? A month. But over the 30 And she paid 2400 or or she paid a little bit over twenty. No, I think it was like one hundred and thirty. It, it worked out to be 27 months break even. Okay, but over 30 years, what would that save her? Well, if you stay, if you stayed in that in that property for full thirty years, let's just say it's a hundred bucks. That's thirty six thousand dollars. Well, we so, know. So, so we, we she paid twenty four hundred, and you saved thirty six thousand. That's that's a no brainer. There, that's that's what almost a fifteen to one right. return on investment. But it saved a lot more money than that with the interest. Yeah, okay. correct. All right, Phil. What do you predict about the Fed? Uh, what are they going to do next? Are they going to keep raising? Where are we going with that? I think they're going to hit us for another quarter percent, uh, 0.25. I think at that point in time, they are going to take a pause. I do believe that we will see core inflation fall uh, quite a bit over the next three to four months. Uh, but I do believe they will hit us for a quarter percent at the next Fed meeting here, I believe on May 10th. Okay. Folks, if you've got questions about real estate or mortgage, text those to 651-578-2218. Also, be sure and listen to our podcast. The keyword is red hot. Right. And you know, mytalk1071.com. We'll see you next time.